Peace of Christ to you all. It was the summer of 1986 that I uh, had the, the privilege of um, going to, to Kenya for the summer. And it was a short-term um, mission uh, trip. Yeah, and there uh, preached my first sermon there in an open field uh, with folks in the, the bush of... Uh, of Western Kenya, and and had a you know a, a wonderful time. It was absolutely you know life changing kind of experience um, in that uh, uh, that ministry and that opportunity. Um, we we took one day and um, went into the Maasai Mara, which is almost the size of Texas, um, is a part of Kenya where the Animals uh, are you know, all over the place. I mean, we saw elephants and um, we saw uh, lions. Uh, we had a water buffalo uh, rush us um, uh, because we were getting a little too close. Um, we uh, uh, never did get to see um, a rhino. But if you do go in my office, there are pictures on the wall and those are taken on that little uh, safari. Um, the end of our time, though, the sun was starting to set, and we were in this Land Rover, um, and the uh, it started to go out on us. Started to uh, steam, started coming out of the engine a little bit, and, and and there were you know six of us in this Land Rover, and we're like you know we're in the middle of the place where lions live. You know, we're, we're in, in the place where, where giraffe, uh, you know, roam and wildebeest by the hundreds come rushing through. Um, we need to get out of here. Yeah? And we need this car uh, to work. So there is a lot of fear as the sun starts to set. And so we did say, all right, let's, to our credit, let's pray. And uh, so we did. We gathered and we prayed. And I wish that I could tell you that all of us, as we finished praying, we just got up and said, praise the Lord, singing Kumbaya, and everything's going to be great. But we didn't. Um, uh, And maybe you're the same in that uh, human uh, nature. And so after we prayed, we needed to have a plan. I mean, what are we going to do? Here, uh, maybe maybe we've we've thrown a rock or something into the radiator, and there's a hole there. All right, well, everybody, um, I want you to start chewing gum, yeah, and and I want you to, to look in the back and see if there's any whatever sticky stuff you can find. And if the radiator goes out, then we'll have gum, we'll have glue. If there's duct tape, we'll find rocks and sticks that will stick into the hole. Don't drink any more water, and we'll pour that into the radiator if we need. And, and, then, and then somebody else is like, well, here's the plan. Here's how we'll get out um, of the Maasai Mara. Uh, it's not the fastest way, but it's the safest it's the closest places like to, to places where people have camped and, and those kind of things. And then even a plan to say, and if we end up having to spend the night um, here with the lions and the rhinoceros um, and the hippos, then this will be our plan. Yeah, and so there's, there's something about having a plan that we're not just in the middle of chaos. We're not just in the middle of, of crazy stuff that we know if, if things go south, here are the steps that we're going to take. At Advent, during this time of 
looking at Christmas Day, it's a time when we see not human plans that are, can be good, can be bad, or times that we have a perfect plan, but we don't have the power to pull it off. It's at Advent and Christmas that we look at the incarnation. We look at the birth of Jesus and we see that this is the fulfillment of God's plan from thousands of years before. That He had told us all along that this is what He was going to do. This was how He was going to bring about the the salvation of the world. We, we see that plan fulfilled and it's at Christmas, at Advent, that we see this plan and the power to fulfill it that we are set at ease knowing if He did this, then He can do what He has said is His plan for the future. No matter the chaos, no matter the terror that is around us, we know His plan has been fulfilled and it will be fulfilled in the future. The passage we'll look at is in the the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 1, and um, it's there the words of Zechariah um, that are, are, are given to us where he highlights how this is carrying out God's plan and how it was carried out and what that means you know, for for us. And a much better plan than some chewing gum and some rocks. But a plan that we know will be fulfilled. Let, let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your written word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who lives um, uh, in us and, and among us. And we pray now that you will speak to us of this truth, show us the reality best that we can see of your wondrous plan and fill us um, in our very soul with that faith and trust to be at peace, that you have a plan and the power to carry it out. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, uh, Luke chapter 1, it's uh, found on page 832 in your pew Bible, if you want to turn there, or you can follow along on the screen. Uh, and just a little context here, Zechariah is married to Elizabeth, and Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're the parents of John the Baptist. Right? And, and as we'll see in the passage, John the Baptist is the one that God had ordained from the beginning of time to be the one who is going to be the messenger uh, to prepare the way for Jesus, who, who's the Savior um, of the world. So, um, and, and, and Zechariah had a little problem. He, 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 the angels had told him about hmm, seven or eight months before this time that um, his son was going to be the, the one to prepare the way for Jesus and that he was special. Now, and Zechariah was like, well, wait a minute, how's that? He started questioning the angels and God. You know, that really can't be the case. And so the angels said, well, here's what's going to happen, Zechariah. You're going to be uh, unable to speak. Until your baby is born. And, which is actually a good habit um, during Advent. That, you know, we just listen. And so Zechariah is given a great gift uh, during those months of just listening. And reflecting. And, and, and thinking about what, what was going to happen. And so, th- where, where we start is now these are Zechariah's, some of his first words. Um, at the birth of his son, who he was told was the, the messenger, the, the herald, 
to prepare the way for the Savior of the world. All right, so uh, verse 67. Then the fa- his, his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke this prophecy. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. That we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people by the forgiveness of their sins, by the tender mercy of our God. The dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, I just I want us to walk through this a little bit and see how, how, how Zechariah really unpacks and demonstrates uh, the, the plan that God has now delivered, has carried out in John and in, when Jesus is born, just a, a little bit in, in the future. And how seeing that plan fulfilled brings such great faith and trust. All right, um, first in uh, verse um, 69. You know, he's, he's raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of the servant David. You know, so he, he's hearkening back to Old Testament prophecies that we'll look at in a minute. That, that This one to come, this Savior to come, the, the one that God has planned to bring salvation, redemption to all of creation is in the house of David. And that David has been telling us about him when we read David's writings. He he says in verse 70, And he spoke through the mouth of the holy prophets from of old. So the Micahs, the Jeremiahs, the Isaiahs, um, those are the the guys that that have been writing about the Messiah to come. I mean, hundreds of years before this event, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, Isaiah was, was telling us that God was going to be born in our midst. And as we'll see, even tells us where he's going to be born. Even tells us details of his life. And, and Zechariah, he knows that. He knows those stories. He knows those writings. And he sees it fulfilled right in front of him. And then in verse 72, again, he hearkens back. Thus, he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant. I mean, the promises, the covenant that he made, what he made with Abraham, what he made with Moses. He sees now what he has promised hundreds, thousands of years ago, now are being fulfilled. 
the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we being rescued that we being rescued from the hands of our enemies might serve him without fear See, the reason that he goes back and says, look, listen to David. Look, look what he said in David. Look what he said in Moses. Look what he said in the covenant. Look, look what Abraham said. All of this is pointing to John being born, who's going to be a, a, a herald of the Messiah to come. This is God's plan from the beginning of time. And we know this. It's, it's happening right here. He's holding it in his hands. And he's saying he's done all of this so that we all can serve him without Fear in a crazy, chaotic world. That we might serve Him, he goes on, in holiness and righteousness before Him all of our days. I mean, there's something about knowing there's a plan, right? Knowing that a plan is in place and seeing over the course of 2,000 years from where Zechariah is, saying this plan has been fulfilled. It is being fulfilled. So I can trust in the one who makes this plan. Matter of fact, he doesn't plan. He just promises. You know, we make plans, and sometimes the plans happen, sometimes they don't, right? With God, his plan is the same as a promise. And he has the power to make it happen so that we can live without fear. He continues then with the specifics in verse um, 75, 76. He looks, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people by the forgiveness of of their sins, by the tender mercy of our God. And again, this is why John is now here, a sign that that promise, that plan is being fulfilled. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon, upon us. Why? To give us light for those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. There's something about having a plan, knowing that there is a plan and being a part of that that leads us then in the midst of the shadow of death, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of terror, no matter if it happens in Kenya, Paris, San Bernardino, or Cincinnati. Having a plan, knowing the plan, and the power to see that plan lived out gives us peace in the midst of darkness, in the midst of terror. Now, what I, I want to just walk through um, just a few of those promises. A few of the, the ways that, that God, in the thousand years before Jesus, in the two thousand years before Jesus was born, that he, he gave that plan to us. And, and one of the, the first things uh, that we uh, see um, uh, that Isaiah, one of those prophets, one of the holy prophets tells us about, that he was going to be born of a virgin woman. Now, you see this in Isaiah 7, 4. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a son. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. 
Jump to Isaiah 9, 6, just a few chapters. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So here, this is, again, this is hundreds of years before Jesus was, was born. And, and, and the skeptics will say, yeah, but maybe they wrote this after Jesus was born, you know, and then made it look like Isaiah wrote it hundreds of years before. Well, the problem with that is that we have copies. We have copies of what Isaiah wrote that, were, that are dated 200 years before Jesus was born. And the, the Dead Sea Scrolls. So... This was all written hundreds of years before Jesus. And we're telling, Isaiah's telling his followers, listen, this is what's going to happen. God is going to come visit us. He's going to be born to a woman as a baby. God with us. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, now, for you and I, you know, we sing this. We probably half of us probably hemming the song. <laughs> you know, we're humming the Messiah because of, of these words, right? But imagine if you can, what would the people hanging out with Isaiah thought? Really, God is going to become a human being, Isaiah? You've lost it, man. You've blown a rod or something. Yeah, really, it's like saying we humans are going to become a toilet. The creator becoming part of the creation. You know, we're we're going to become a chair. That's what we're taught, that the creator becomes part of creation. But that's what Isaiah had said hundreds of years before. He's going to be born of a virgin woman. It even tells us where he's going to be born. Oh, uh, the next passage that just gives you Matthew 1, 21, 23, where Matthew recognizes that's the case. You know, she will bear a son, you're to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, uh, born of a virgin woman also tells us you can be born in Bethlehem, in uh, Micah. But you, O Bethlehem of Ephrathah, who are one of the little clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to rule in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient of days. Now, Bethlehem, it'd be one thing if he'd said, Now, but you, O New York City or Los Angeles... You know, sort of the big cities of the day. You, O Jerusalem. He's going to come from the the, the major centers around. You, of of Rome. You're going to come from the big places. Bethlehem, it's like Alpine, Alabama. You ever driven through Alpine, Alabama? If you have, you were lost. But if if, if you had, you'd notice, if you blinked, you'd have missed it. Because it's just a little crossroads. In the middle of nowhere. That's what Bethlehem is. Less than a thousand people lived in that little podunk town of Bethlehem. Yet, Micah is saying this is the place where he will be born. And the New Testament tells us, Matthew, in the time of King Herod after Jesus was born, in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. It tells us, 
He's going to be human. tells us where he's going to be uh, born. And then, uh, next slide. And then it tells us in, uh, in Luke the same thing. Next slide. tells us now that he's going to be a descendant of Abraham. Okay, and, and, now, and now some of you, uh, a few of you like to take these notes. I did make copies of these, and there's cop for those that are interested, you can pick them up at the front desk. Of these and other um, uh, prophecies of, of God's plan um, that give the Old Testament passage and the New Testament passage where, where they're fulfilled. But so he says, all right, so this is where you're going to be. You're going to be born of a woman, you're going to be born here, and you're going to be a descendant of Abraham. Well, Abraham, he was a pretty long time ago. A lot of people are descendants of Abraham. He says, so, you, but Abraham, uh, and you see the passage there, but you're also going to tell us what tribe he's going to be in. He's going to be in the tribe of Judah. Because, you know, Abraham had like grandkids, you know, and, and there were 12 of them that become the tribes. And now he's saying now, so out of Abraham and all of yours, now there's one tribe out of the tribe of Judah. So there's 12 tribes, now one I'm going to pick. And then he, the next thing he says, I'm going to tell you the family you're going to be a part of. You're going to be a part of the family of David. So he hones in even more. And again, the, the passages that are listed there or that you can pick up where he says even more and more specifically who will come. He, he tells us um, that he's, there will be one that will come right before him. There will be a, a herald uh, to come, a messenger of the Lord, which we've already read about. That's who John the Baptist is, Zechariah and Elizabeth's son. And he tells us in Isaiah 40, a voice will cry out, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. And then Matthew 3 brings that up and says, This is who John is. Tells us a little more about Jesus than after he's going to be born. They'll be taken to Egypt. We'll talk a little bit about that next week. That he's going to, in his ministry and life, he'll be rejected by his people. And even tells us now where he'll minister. He's going to minister in Galilee. Again, sort of a, a, a podunk place. Um, not the place you would expect. Not in Jerusalem. That's what you would expect him to go. But you see over and over again, the, these things that people are like, no, he's not going to go to Galilee. Anybody know if God's going to come, he's going to Jerusalem. But no, he ministers in Galilee. And Isaiah tells us that hundreds of years prior. A little more then, uh, next slide, that uh, tells us that he is going to enter Jerusalem as a king. Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you. Triumphant and victorious is he. Humble and, and riding on an Air Force jet. That's how it should be, right? He should come in with jets, you know, with fireworks. No, he's going to come on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. You know, again, all of these things that here Zechariah is telling us, this is God's plan. This is how he's going to bring the salvation to the world. It would seem loony to people in those days, but sure enough, in Matthew 21, that's what happened in Jesus that he entered Jerusalem. We're told then that it, he'll cleanse the temple. And finally, another thing told us that he'll die a humiliating death. Which prophesied in Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53. And all of these plans uh, set out by God through his prophets for thousands of years before have come to fruition. Exactly as he said. 
and fulfill and carry out His plan of salvation for the world. It's good to know there's a plan. And it's good to know there is one who is powerful enough to carry it out. William Craig Lane, who's a a person that um, is an apologist, somebody who explains the faith and and meets and debates with non-Christians to say, this is why this is true. He he shared this uh, as well about just the the, the marvel of God's plan because Jesus was born about 2,000 years or so um, in the the history of of humanity. And it's like, well, one of the arguments people make, well, why did you wait so long? You know, why did, why did Jesus wait two, I mean, you had 2,000 years of human history. Why would Jesus come there? And Dr. Craig um, did his uh, uh, research uh, with the uh, Population Reference Bureau and the Survey Cent- Research Center of the University of Michigan Institute for Social Research. That's a name. Um, <clears throat> and in and, and, and talking with them, said, you know, the basically, give or take a billion people or so, there's been about 108 billion people that have lived on the planet. About 108. And if you look back over the, the history of uh, humanity, you know, it, you know, it starts off really slow and builds slowly. But then there comes a point where it, those of, of you that have taken trigonometry, you know, it, it sort of moves exponential. You know, how, how it just it multiplies for a while, but then all of a sudden, boom, it just takes off. And in that whole number, there's 108 billion. But it was about 2,000 years ago that that exponential move happened in population. So that if you look at the population before the time Jesus was born, before Jesus was born, those first 2,000 years, you're looking at about 2% of the humans who've lived on earth. After Jesus' birth, you're looking at about 98% of the population of the earth over human history. And what uh, <clears throat> the guy who's the head of that long name at the University of Michigan um, said, name's Eric Krepp, said, God's timing couldn't have been more perfect. Christ showed up just before the exponential explosion in the world's population. It's good to know there is a plan. And it's good to know there is one who is compassionate and powerful and able to complete it unto the end. Now, there are other reasons why folks think that maybe Jesus was born in why God's mindset for doing that. But I think Dr. Craig is on to something there because I think uh, Peter. Uh, Peter says something very similar in Second Peter uh, chapter 3 and verses 8 and 9. But do not ignore this one fact, beloved. That with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like one day. And it's sort of like what we read at the very beginning of the passage that Cedric read about Isaiah. You know, that there are 
from Isaiah where he said, you know, my, our ways are not God's ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And here it's sort of the same way. God's got a plan, but man, it is not. And anything we've seen as we looked back at that plan, Dennis talked about last week, you know, it's ordinary people who are fulfilling this plan in ways that just don't, they're counterintuitive. You know, they just don't fit what we would expect. And so one of the things that Peter's dealing with, he's saying, well, you know, well, why don't you finish the plan? You know, so we know now Jesus, 2,000 years, you know, so okay, so, you know, just 2%, 98% follow them. All right, makes, makes sense, but let's get that finished. He goes, so come back. Come back, Lord Jesus. Bring that new heaven and that new earth. Peter says, the Lord is not slow about his promise. He's not slow about his plan, as some think of slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. From the, the beginning of time, God has set this plan in place in order to maximize salvation and repentance, because that maximizes His glory. Since the beginning, He's laid that out. He's shown us that plan and invited us, called us, chosen us to be a part of that plan. Peter goes on in just a little bit later in the chapter in verse 13. But in accordance with His promise, in accordance with His plan, we wait for the new heavens and a new earth where righteousness is at home. I mean, we wait for that day where disease is no longer, where tears will be no more, where terror will be gone, where chaos will be wiped away, death no longer there, where righteousness is at home. We long for that day and we wait for that day. Therefore, beloved, While you're waiting for these things, strive to be found by Him at peace. Because you know the plan and you know the planner. You know the plan, you know the power to fulfill it. Strive to be found, found by Him at peace, which is exactly what Zechariah had said earlier. Without spot or blemish. And regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. Isn't that, I mean, just knowing the plan helps to put us in that spot. This is what the place we have in that plan. And ultimately, it's not about your or my satisfaction or your or my happiness or even fulfillment, but it's about the fulfillment of God's plan. Because His plan is greater than my plan or your plan or our plans all together. It's what brings salvation to all and maximizes His glory. And we are a part of a plan that big and that grand. And so He brought and told us from the beginning all that He was going to do, when He was going to do it, where He was going to do it, how He was going to do it. And it had happened that way that Jesus lived and died like He said, was raised to new life and power. Then let's believe that one day He will come again. And bring us home to a place where righteousness is our home. It's good to have a plan. It's good to know the plan. Because we can face the issues and the fear and the troubles and the terror and the chaos. Whether it's final exams next week. 
or whether it's bullets and bombs and crazed folks spraying bullets in San Bernardino or Paris or in Cincinnati. We can face the issues and fears and troubles today in peace and holiness because God is in control. He has a plan and the power to fulfill it. Amen.